I think all of us realize that many times, for many different people, that Father's Day is a difficult day. Maybe we didn't have a father. Maybe our father wasn't a great father. But church, I want you to know, the Word of God says that He is a father to the fathers. And He is the greatest father we can have. And so I just want to pray for our men today and just lift them up. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the ultimate example of a father. And Lord, I just lift up our men here today. I thank you that they recognize the need, Lord, to be in church, to be men of the Word, men with godly values, men that desire your presence and power in their lives. And Lord, I pray that we can be better fathers than we've ever been. Better grandfathers, Lord. And Lord, whether we're biological fathers or spiritual fathers or both, we should be. Lord, most of all, a spiritual father today. All of us are called to lead and to mentor. And so Lord, I just pray today that this simple gift would remind them that every one of us is a tool in the hand of the living God. That you desire to work through our lives, to hold us in your hand, to to minister, Lord, to others. So Lord, I pray today that every man in this building would recognize the responsibility that we have and realize that we can't fulfill that responsibility unless we surrender all to you. And Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to our fathers today. And uh, I have uh, two other things before we get to God's Word today. Uh, Karen, Karen, this is Karen's last Sunday with us. She's moving south, and we're going to miss her. And so when someone from our family is leaving, we want to bless them. And so I just want you to join me in prayer right quickly for Karen. I don't want to call you Karen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for Karen today. We thank you for her love for you, her faithfulness to you. Lord, we pray that you would guide and direct every step. Lord, that you'd keep your hand upon her and her family. Lord, that you would just bless them as they go south. Lord, that she would find a good church and become a part of that family. And Lord, just be a blessing to that new church family. Lord, we just ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. After church, everybody, say goodbye to Karen and tell her that you love and appreciate her. Amen. And finally... One of the greatest things that I love to do on a Sunday is welcome new members. So I'm going to ask Jordan and Amber to come forward with their kids right quick. Did they step out? They were here a minute ago. There, there's Amber. Where's, where's Jordan's not here today. On Father's Day, he's not here. Well, we can wait until Jordan's here so we can embarrass him up here too. No, seriously, we, we, people join the church, you don't have to come up here if you're shy and 
quiet and don't like to be in front of people to join the church. But if, you, if you're willing, I love to have people come and pray over them as a church. So we'll wait till next Sunday for that. Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. Last week we looked at a great passage of Scripture speaking about being strong in the grace of God. We recognized last week that we can't do or accomplish what God wants us to without His grace. That just like when we came to know Jesus Christ, we came with nothing except ourselves and our faith and presented ourselves and our faith to the Lord. In the same way, when we want to accomplish His purpose and His plans, we have to come and present ourselves and trust in God's grace to work in us and to get it accomplished. Amen? One of the things we looked at last week was that we need God's grace to help us be integrous. Okay? We need to be people of integrity, right? Today we live in a society that many times is filled with corruption and manipulation and cutting corners and anything less than godly values. And we talked last week about the importance of the church rising up and being the church of Jesus Christ in these days. In this time when we have all the, the turmoil and everything that's taking place, the church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up and be the church that He called us to be. Amen? Last week we talked about integrity. And today I want to go further into that subject. I want to go deeper today. So I want you to look at Genesis chapter 20. I love this this passage of Scripture. Here, God teaches us in Genesis chapter 20 through Abraham and Abimelech a tremendous, powerful story about integrity. That if we will apply it in our lives, it will transform our future. And this isn't just for the men today. This is for all of us. I want to read a good portion of this chapter. I want to begin with verse 1. So look with me at chapter 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Sur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman who you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, He is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours." So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all the servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men 
were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. Then jump down to verse 17. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and the female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. The first thing I want us to see is that God puts an importance on integrity of the heart. Integrity of the heart. In verse 5 again, Look, it, it says, Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she even herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and ignorance of my hands, I have done this. Abimelech is saying, God, I didn't know. God, I didn't understand. I wouldn't have done this if I had known. He's saying, God, you know my heart. God knows our hearts. He knows if our hearts are integrous or not. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But God knows our hearts. And so Abimelech here is saying, God, you know my heart. You know I wouldn't have done this. How can you say that you're going to kill me? And then look at uh, verse 6, what God says. And he said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. God says he has an integrous heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Did you hear that? That is an amazing statement. I want you to grasp this. I want you to get this into your life and claim it. God says, I withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. It was God that did not allow him to go ahead and sin. And why did God intervene in his life? It's because God saw his heart and God knew that his heart was integrous, that he wanted to be a man that honored God, that honored God's word, that honored the values of God. And church, when we have that integrous heart, God is going to have something He can grab hold of and steer us away from things that are going to cause us to stumble or cause us to fall. Amen? I need, I need a, Keith, I need an example. You want to do that? <laughs> Keith knows me from Wrangell. He still didn't trust me, but he knows me from Wrangell. <laughs> I want you to get this picture in your heart. Keith is a man that has surrendered his heart and his life to God. He's saying, God, I, I love your word. I love you. I want to live for you. I want to accomplish your plan and your purpose for my life. I want to be the man of God you've called me to be in every way. And so as he goes through life, he's walking. And he's heading towards something that isn't right. It's not good. What happens? God comes in and gently steers him out of the way of that pitfall. I love that. Amen. How about you? Amen. Thanks, Keith. Good job. 
Think about that. When we have a heart of integrity, God has something to grab hold of in our lives. He sees our heart and He gently steers us when we're headed towards stumbling and falling. Now, every one of us knows that we have a free will, right? God created us with a free will. We can choose right, we can choose wrong. We can do what's right or we can do what's wrong. But when we determine in our heart, Lord, no matter what, I want to live for you. No matter what, Lord, I want to glorify you with my life. Lord, I want to be a man or a woman of integrity. When people see my life, they, they don't see anybody who's perfect because none of us are going to be perfect until we come, go to be with Jesus. But they can tell that we are someone who has a genuine integrity in our hearts that we desire to live for God and to bring Him glory. And when we do that, God will gently take hold and grab hold of our lives just like He did with Abimelech so that we don't stumble and fall. I love that. How about you? Two people like that. Okay. What is integrity? Integrity is honesty. It's trustworthiness. It's dependability. It's reliability. It's faithfulness. But integrity of heart, what does the word in the original Hebrew mean? It's the word T-H-O-M. It's pronounced Tom. Specifically, it means complete and whole. It's saying that God has our whole heart. That He has our complete heart. That we're not going to have a fragmented heart. A heart that's committed to God. A heart that's not undivided. It's a heart that is attentive to God. A heart that is placing God as our highest priority. And when we do that, church, we will be what the Bible calls blameless. Where people don't have something that they see in our lives that they can grab hold of or point to and say, hey, they're hypocritical hey, they're not really what this Christian thing's supposed to be. Now, I'm not saying that we never stumble, that we never fall, but I'm saying that a heart of integrity is a heart that listens to the Spirit of God. A heart that allows the Holy Spirit to say, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't go that direction. And when we hear God speak to us through His Word or through that still, small voice in our gut, that we respond to that and we do what's right instead of turning and, and engaging our will to do what's wrong. This is such a powerful truth, church. The things that the Lord's laying on my heart, I believe that we're at a time, a strategic time in the life of our church. We're headed for a breakthrough. We're headed for greater things. But in order to see God move, in order to see an explosion of God's power and presence and love and grace and mercy in our church, church, we have to determine in our hearts we're going to be people of integrity. David prayed for this kind of heart in Psalm 86 and verse 11. He said, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Listen to this. Unite my heart to fear your name. He's praying for that same spiritual thing. 
for his heart to be united together, all focused on God and what God has. In Psalm 37, listen to this. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Most of us have heard that before, right? But notice this, the steps of a good man or a good woman. In other words, those that have a heart of integrity, those that want to live for God, those that love God, want His purpose and plan in their life. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in his way. Listen to this. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Amen? There's that same precious promise again. As long as we walk in the steps of a good man or a good woman, how do we do that? By surrendering everything to the Lord. Church, we're living in a time when integrity is hard to come by. Integrity is even difficult to come by many times in the church. We see so much going on in the world today. In fact, if you're in business, the business model that you are taught today is that you do everything you can to make a buck. And it doesn't matter if you have to manipulate, if you have to lie, if you have to cheat, or you have to steal. It shouldn't be so as Christians. Amen? There's a mentality that the boss is the enemy and that we need to take advantage of the boss anytime we can. Where we don't respect them. Now I'm not saying that there aren't bosses that need prayer. Every boss needs prayer. I'm not saying our bosses are perfect. But the Bible tells us to work as though we're working for Jesus. And when you do that and you don't cut corners and you don't take advantage of your boss, and all of us have those opportunities. All of us are able to you know, keep something extra or take something from work or cheat on our time or you know, take a, a longer break than we should. All those things come into the realm of are we going to be integrous in our heart? And we're fighting with our humanism. Because the flesh is weak. We'd established that a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Krispy Kreme donuts. And Gail, Gail brought me a dozen Krispy Kreme that week. Tempt me. She said it was out of love, but I don't know. But church, we need leaders with an integrous heart. I, I talk to Bruce all the time. He's a mechanic and he works on big rigs in Anchorage. And just naturally that uh, shop atmosphere many times is filled with foul language. It's filled with perversion and other things and bad jokes and all that type of thing when men get together and they're of the world. But Bruce tells me that they have recognized that he is a man with an integrous heart. He strives. That's his desire. He wants to, to be that example. 
and how that it affects those around him and the way they, they speak and the way they act and the jokes that they tell. We can influence our nation and our world by having an integrous heart. We can. The second point I want us to see is the sacrifice of our heart's integrity can disqualify us from running our race faithfully with God. The passage I want to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, one run in such a way that you may obtain it? And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with, certain, with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul, what is Paul saying there? He's saying... I can become disqualified. Now that's a scary word. What does he mean there? Is he, is he saying that we can lose our salvation and go to hell because we didn't do this? No, that's not what it disqualified here means. I want to, I want to give you an example of what, what he's talking about here. As a pastor, I have a lot of bookshelves and I have a lots, lots of books. And most of those books have value to me that I... I re- get reference them from time to time and study the things in those books but I have about three or four books that are there and they're precious to me but I never use them and it's because those books belong to my grandfather it's because those books are so old that if I open them or handle them very much the covers are going to they're disintegrating and they're going to fall apart in the book. If I start thumbing through it, it's going to tear up the book. And so what I want us to see in that is those books are still precious to me. They're part of my collection. I'm not going to discard them, but they have lost their usefulness for study and sermon preparation. In the same way, when our hearts are not in integrous we are disqualifying ourselves from being used by the master in everything that he has planned for us he still loves us we're still precious to him but we're disqualifying ourselves to be used by the master in greater things are you with me and so it's important for us to take time and say lord I want to be useful in your hands. There's nothing I desire more than to fulfill the plan that you have for my life. No matter what that plan is, Lord, I want to fulfill your plan for my life. I want to be useful. When I get around some of our our senior pastors once in a while, we have several senior pastors that are in their 80s that have been missionaries to the bush or pastored in various churches in the state. And one, one of the things 
that uh, when we get together with them that I love is the fact that they may not be able to physically pastor like they once did, but their heart's desire is to finish strong. I hear that all the time. They say, Milt, I can't do all that I used to do, but I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish as, as, a, as a tool in the Master's hand that He's still using until the last breath I take and I go to be with Jesus. I'm going to be used by the Master. Amen? And that's the idea that Paul is conveying here. And it's, it's a powerful picture that he gives us. Now look at verse 27 in that same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. But notice what he's saying here in this passage. He says, I'm not beating the air, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection. He's giving us a picture of a boxer. And the term that's used there is very important because he, Paul is saying, basically, I give my body a knockout punch so that it's going to be in subjection to the Lord. I'm going to put it down for the count. Boom. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to knock my lights out in the flesh down for the count so that I can be that tool in the Master's hand. That's what Paul's talking about. That's his heart here. And that needs to be our, our heart. He wanted to be an instrument in God's hands more than anything else. He wanted to fulfill God's plan more than anything else. He wanted to have a heart of integrity. David, King David said in Psalm 119 verse 10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That was David's heart. David is one of the most celebrated leaders in, history, in the history of Israel. Today, if you travel to Israel, they have hotels named after David. You see all these uh, things referring to King David. You ask them who was the greatest king. There's no hesitation. King David. David wasn't perfect. We know that. He made mistakes. But David here is praying and saying, Lord, I want, I want to come with my whole heart and seek you with my whole heart. I want to ask you, have you ever had that as a prayer? Have you ever said, Lord, I don't want any parts of my heart fractioned and pulled away? As busy as we are today and so many things as we are involved in, our hearts can get pulled many different directions, but our hearts need to be saying, Lord, it's all about you. I want to end with the third point. And it's a contrast between David and Solomon. Both of these men shape the history of Israel. David was anointed as a young man. Uh, he was anointed in battle. He conquered uh, many enemies. And the, the kingdom expanded under his 
great anointed battles. His ability to lead the men and to conquer the enemies. And by the time that David took the throne, the kingdom had reached such an extent that it was probably as close as any time in the history of Israel to what God had promised Abraham in the vision. The kingdom was greater than it is today. And David knew, I want you to get this church, David knew that he was surrounded by enemies. Look at Psalm 25, verse 19. Listen to what David is praying here. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let in, listen to this, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Did you hear that? Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. That's powerful. Then he says, redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. David points out here that the surrounding presence of, of enemies that wanted to take his land, take his kingdom, and take his life. He knew that he, with all of his troops, couldn't guard all the borders of Israel. There's no way, even with all the troops he had, that he could protect Israel. He, he knew that. He knew that God had blessed them so much that there's no way they could protect themselves. So what does he do? He's praying here, and he's saying, Lord... My heart is an integrous heart. I'm going to live uprightly. And Lord, I'm going to place my nation that you have given me leadership over in your mighty hands and I'm trusting you. Because I can't do it. I can't protect them. It's got to be God. Now I want to put that in terms for today. We have children, many of us, that we're not there to hear everything that's going to be spoken into their lives. We're not there to protect them every second of the day. When they get older and they go off to a university, we're not there to counter the ungodly teaching that's being taught in our universities. But like David, we can say, God, I'm a man or a woman of integrity. And I'm going to live my best in uprightness for you. And Lord, I'm going to leave my children in your mighty hands. Just like you protected the borders of Israel, Lord, protect the borders of my children. Protect the borders of my family. Amen? That's a powerful truth. Because we're not there all the time. We can't cover all the conversations with people that might speak something oppressive towards us or denigrate our work or who we are, speak badly of us, talk down about us. We're not there to protect everything that people are going to say about us or gossip about us. But church, I want to tell you, if you have an integrous heart, 
God's going to take care of your boundaries. Amen. God's going to take care of your family. It doesn't matter what the enemy comes and tries to, to do against you and talk bad about you or belittle you. God's got it under control. And you, you say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I've got a heart of integrity. Lord, I trust everything I'm doing to you. I love that. We can't know everything that might impact our lives just like Abimelech. He was blindsided. In the culture of that day, it was something that was normal. It wasn't considered wrong to take a wife of someone coming through and that, that wasn't married. But when he found out, he, he relied on that. Lord, are you going to destroy a righteous nation? We are people that are, that are humble before God. We're people that are, are trying to live with godly values and do things right. And God said, I know that's why I didn't let you touch her. I love that. In, ver in Psalm 26, verse 1, David writes, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. <laughs> Who vindicates us? Do we have to vindicate ourselves? God will do a lot better job of it than you will. Amen? Solomon, he inherited this vast kingdom. And in the beginning, Solomon realizes, hey, God protected my father and blessed my father. And look at this kingdom. I need to walk in the same integrity. In 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon is praying. In verse 22, he says, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keeps your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Solomon got it. He understood why God blessed his dad. Because he was a man that had an integrous heart. You've kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel only if your sons take heed to their way that they walk before me as you have walked before me. He knew the promise of God that was given to his father David. And he's now praying and reminding God of that promise. And he's saying, I'm going to be a man like my dad. I'm going to have a heart for God, an integrous heart. But something happened in Solomon's life. In 1 Kings chapter 9, God answers him and God verifies that promise. He says, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. 
Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, did you hear that? God's saying, if you walk in integrity of heart and uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight." Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. That is a powerful passage. God is answering. He says, as long as you have a heart that is a heart of integrity, just like your dad, I'm going to bless you. Did you hear what he said, though? He said, there will be one of your descendants on the throne forever. Did you realize, church, that if Solomon and his descendants had had an integrous heart like David, today there would still be one of their heirs on the throne in Israel. The world would be a lot different, wouldn't it? That shows us the importance, church, of having an integrous heart. And not just having an integrous heart, but like David, passing down, storing up mercy and blessings for the next generation. And then making sure that our children realize, why am I so blessed? Why am I blessed? In just a few days, a couple of weeks, Melinda and I are going to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. All three of our kids love the Lord. They're involved in church. And they're raising my grandchildren to love the Lord. Church, there's no greater blessing than that. Why? Because I witnessed my grandfather's hearts of integrity. And when God confronted me and called me into the ministry, I said, I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be blessed like my grandfather's. I want to experience that. In church, I still believe the greatest blessings of God are still ahead. And they're ahead for you. And I want to challenge you. You may be there today and you may feel like I've failed. I'm not someone who's lived with a heart of integrity. I've given in and, and, and followed the spirit of the world. I want to tell you, church, you can start afresh right now today and say from this point on, I'm going to be someone who has an integrous heart for the Lord. And I'm going to bring the blessing of God and fulfillment of God, not only upon me, but upon my children. Amen.
But Solomon got confused somewhere along the way. And I'm going to end with this point. Worship team, you can begin to come up. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, and the Sidonians, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely, listen to this, surely they will turn your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Solomon knew that he needed to be a man of integrity. A whole heart for God. But he decided to have business savvy in the spirit of the world. That's what the world tells us. They even mock us if we're people of integrity today. They say, what? You don't fudge a little here? Cheat a little there? Manipulate here? No. Because God's going to bless me far beyond whatever I would gain from manipulation. You believe that, church? So as we look at Solomon and look at David, there's a, a contrast Because if Solomon had continued and his sons had continued, even today, there would have been a throne. There would have been a king that would be ruling in Israel. But God had promised David that and he fulfilled that through Jesus. Jesus was of that line. And Jesus is the ruler of all. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I want to ask our prayer team to come if they would come across the front and come across the back. As I said earlier, church, I believe that we're at a turning point. I believe God just wants to break the gates wide open and just get a a mighty flood of His presence in our lives and in our church. But one of the foundational things we have to do before we can go forward as a church is to say, Lord, I want to be of integrous heart. And as I said earlier, none of us are perfect, but we can have that will, we can have that desire and say, God, help me like David. Lord, I want to seek you with my whole heart. And if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ, today's the day that you need to make that commitment. If you're watching online, today's the day that you need to make that commitment. And say, Lord, help me to serve you with my whole heart. Help me to have an integrous heart. If you have any other need today, you're welcome to come and pray as well. But before we welcome you to come, I just want us all to agree in prayer. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, I'm just so thankful for our church and for our men and women that are here today that, that Lord, our heart's desire is to be of integrous heart. 
Lord, we, we come to you today and we know that our flesh is weak and it's easy to get caught up in the spirit of the world and the business savvy of the world and think we can manipulate or cheat or cut corners. And that we, can, we have to do that to get ahead, some people think. But Lord, we know that's not true. We know that You are in control. We know that You will protect our borders. You will have Your hand upon us. You will lead us into the blessings of God. And so Lord, we come to You right now and everyone I pray in the building is agreeing with me and saying, Lord, we want to be people of integrous hearts. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to be those people today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.